Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. My body still has not decided which time zone it's most comfortable in. Over 24 hours of our lives spent in the air. It was all worth it. Night of Champions was a blast. Joining me as he does each and every week, the filthy Irishman himself, KP, Kevin Patrick. What's the good word, my friend? Gravy, I'm excited to be here with you as always. Massive congratulations to you. Papa Graves, little boy on the way, bud. Delighted for yourself and Carmela. Yeah, man. I gotta I gotta keep the business, keep the business alive, <laughs> repopulating one at a time. It seems to be a, something in the water these days. Everybody's uh recreating, procreating. It's a it's a fun time to be alive in the WWE family. No doubt about that. And we are absolutely blessed. Uh, little boy on the way. I'm sure I'll have too much to talk about as pertains to that in the upcoming weeks. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Before we dive into our very special guest, we got Sami Zayn joining ATBKP. I have a little story to share with you. Please. Would you indulge me? Yes. As you know, it's been a wild travel week. Uh, I've spent the earliest part of this podcast, reminiscing about the travel woes we have all endured together as a team, as a family. I know you made a trip to Europe for leisure this week, but that's still a lot of travel. There's a, an element of that that's difficult to overcome no matter where. I did the Tamron Hall show, Carmela and I, as we were chatting before we came on the, uh, the air today. And so I was in New York after our Monday Night Raw in Albany, do the Tamron Hall show, rush to the airport. Now, New York is sort of known for its traffic, right? No secret there. Gave myself two and a half hours to get to the airport before our flight. That's reasonable, even in New York City. No, they, and as a professional traveler, I usually like to cut it pretty close, but I figured, yeah, just to be safe because we had plans. We had plans. We had tickets to a world famous comedian, one of my absolute favorites at the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. So we had to make sure that we were at the airport on time get to the airport just in time to miss the cutoff for checking in baggage. Stop. They stopped you on that. Resi no, we, we resigned ourselves to think, you know, we're probably not going to see our bags today, but it's okay. We're going to get to make it to the show. We're going to make it to the show. Get on the plane on time. Proceed to sit at the gate for 45 to 50 minutes. And this is a New York to Pittsburgh flight, which itself is like 52 minutes. I've already spent longer than the duration of the entire flight sitting, waiting for the plane to leave the gate. Starting to cut a little close, getting a little nervous. All right, we're going to get there. We might have time to go home, drop our bags, and get to the arena. We land. Get the baggage claim. Getting even closer. Oh, my God. I don't know if we're going to make it. We're gonna... We finally decide, you know what? We're not even going to try to go home. We're not going to change. I'm still wearing the, the sort of 
little upscale casual that I was wearing for television. I, I had always look good, yeah, but I, I hadn't changed. It wasn't what I'd normally wear to an event, a night out for the wife. You know, we're going to go to a, a comedian, a go we watch a comedy show, hop in the car, haul ass to downtown Pittsburgh, find a parking garage. We have about 10 minutes before the show is going to start. We are ready. We're going to make the trip. We, we defied all the odds. And as I'm walking out of the parking garage, I see a parking attendant. I said, uh, excuse me, should I take my ticket with me or, or can I just pay you? And she said, oh, what are you paying for? What are you doing tonight? I said, we're, we're going to the show at the arena. She goes, uh, honey, that's tomorrow. What? <laughs> so after a stress level 11 day rushing around, panicking, sweating at times because I knew I, I spent a pretty, you know, pretty penny on these tickets. They're, they're not something I was going to be okay with just missing. I had to make the show. Uh, so the good news is I have something to do tonight. <laughs> the show is tonight. Gravy. I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, right? So instantly, as soon as you said that to me, my, my thoughts, at least she didn't say it was yesterday. Fair. Fair. At least I did not miss the show, but uh, that's just kind of a, a taste of how the last few days of my life have been. Uh, running on empty, running on fumes, but the fact is I am still running, and for that I am grateful, much like I am grateful for our guest this week. He is one half of the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions. He is Sami Zayn, and Sami, I know you were on the same flight path as I was, made the long trip to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. How did it feel? to Sami Zayn to finally be a part of an event of this magnitude in the Middle East? Well, you and I talked about this a little bit um, in Jeddah. And, um, I, you know, I, I, it was a really, really, really kind of a heavy trip, to be honest. So there was a lot that went into it. First of all, the fact that I haven't been there in a few years. I think the last time I was there was 20, maybe 16 in Dubai, possibly. Um, so it had been a little while. And, uh, of course, as you saw on the premium live event, uh, all this to say, uh, you know, I'm Arabic, um, I'm Muslim, all this stuff. And that's like my part of the world, you know, that's, I understand those people. Those are my people. Um, and so, uh, when I went there, I got to go to, uh, Mecca, which is just a surreal, was a surreal experience. And then I also saw my uncles that I hadn't seen in 25 years. I had cousins I haven't seen in 25 years. Oh. I met my great uncle that I didn't even know existed. Uh, so it was pretty heavy in a lot of ways. Just it had a lot of weight. And then the actual event itself and the reception from the audience, it's kind of what I'd been waiting for for a while in a way. Uh, because again, I always felt like I'm representative of that. I, I would have been the natural representative for those shows. And I just wasn't. Right. So it was good to finally be put in that position and in a main event spot and, uh, you know, opposite with Roman and solo and um, you know, the, the story that's kind of been carrying the company for a minute now. So I don't know. It felt like it all kind of just came together perfectly. It, I couldn't have asked for a better way to, to, to go back. It was perfect. And you mentioned from your perspective, we mentioned it on television, but from a, a personal standpoint, hoping that the bloodline, issue as pertains to Sammy and Kevin is now in the rearview mirror. Let's look back on that. When, when you guys were in the midst of it, I mean, culminating, it could be argued at WrestleMania with you guys dethroning the Usos. Was it something you were aware of uh, other than, than reading, you know, the, the internet or, or uh, different segments of our fanhood? Did you guys realize and feel at the moment what you were doing was as special as it was? Uh, for me, I definitely felt, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it pretty early on actually. 
um, especially, I don't know, really come maybe September. So this is a while back. That's almost, what is that, six months ago? Maybe more, yeah. It's been a while, yeah. This, this is a story that has really driven the industry as a whole for, I mean, a year at least. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so it's something I'm particularly proud of, but also like a bit, a bit shocked by, because if I may be so bold as to expose my own insecurity, it's almost a byproduct of trying to keep yourself grounded and keep yourself humble. But I don't go out of my way to call myself like a draw. You know, I think WWE is the draw. And then within that, within the product, you have components that are going to really help the product. And I've always viewed myself as that, you know, but this was the first time when I could look at something that I was doing and I'd be like, no, 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 no. This is driving business. This is drawing. Like with every metric imaginable, merchandise, uh, ratings, social media engagements, just general fan interest, just every, everything you have to go by, everything was going, you know, live, live events, attendances, everything was going up. Everything has been up. So it's really the first time in my career where I'm like, I could point to something and go to, to use an old school expression. This drew money. This drew serious money, you know? Uh, so that's cool. And I kind of realized that pretty early on. And I don't know, maybe for Kevin, it's a slightly different uh, experience because I know for his involvement in the story, he kind of had to be woven in and out. So there were periods uh, that might've been lulls for him. How refreshing was it for the both of you to leave reality? into the culmination of this story, your actual friendship, which again, we've discussed, we've seen it play out on television for primarily most of your careers together. You've sort of been intertwined inextricably. Um, how, how did it feel to be able to bring the reality of your journeys and your friendships all the way to the pinnacle of the game in the main event of WrestleMania? That reality that you're talking about is why it worked. And if, if it wasn't Kevin, the whole thing wouldn't have worked. Because for me to be put in that predicament or for me to have my loyalty tested, the crux of all that was that I had this allegiance to someone who's legitimately my oldest and longest friend in the business. And we, you know, everyone knows that story, that it's 20 years deep and all that. So if we don't have that, the story, it doesn't have that same believability, it doesn't have that same thing holding the whole thing together. And the same could be said about the Usos and Roman. And part of why that is so successful is because it is a legitimate, you know, uh, family. It is a legitimate brotherhood that they all grew up together. So people understand those dynamics. And then you mix Kevin and I, who may as well be family, 20 years of brotherhood and all that kind of thing. So without him, it didn't, it didn't work. I know he wasn't the main player throughout the whole thing of it, but the fact that he was woven in carefully at the right times is what always propelled the story to the next level. And uh, just to, to your point that it's all because it's a real situation and it's already been, even if you don't know about our 20 year history and you're just a WWE fan, you still know our history dating back to, you know, NXT and 2015 and all that stuff. Of course that heightened everything that heightened the success of the storyline, but it also uh, obviously heightened how special it was to, to main event WrestleMania together in a match that really there was no precedent for because the idea of a tag team title match main eventing WrestleMania, even a few years ago, you, you never would have dreamed of that. So I think that's one of the other things that I'm quite proud of. I think I'm, I'm sure I speak for everyone involved in that match that um, it's, it's rare in WWE to still be coming out with a firsts, you know, uh, the first time ever of blank or the biggest blank of whatever of all time. We managed to kind of do that. So that's really something to be proud of, I think, in addition to everything else. 
Throughout this whole process, Sammy, you know, something Corey says on the show all the time is let it play out. All right. Now I, I know and I see you backstage and I understand how infectious uh, you are and that enthusiasm you have for the industry. Was there any point throughout this brilliantly well-told story that patience was trying for you, was a test for you? Because you think about Montreal, you think about the, the, the overwhelming success, but also the disappointment there for the fans of Sami Zayn in Montreal. And yet look at where you went to at WrestleMania. Look at where you were in Saudi Arabia at Night of Champions. So throughout all this process, where does patience factor in for you in all of this and trusting the process? In this particular case, uh, you just said a line there, trusting the process. Trusting the process and patience were almost two different things in this case, because it's not a matter, it wasn't a matter of impatience as to, ah, let's just get the story where it needs to be already. It wasn't that. It was more about, okay, we have a general idea of where we want it to go or how we want it to get there. And it was just, if I had any stress throughout, which I, I did because you're always trying to make everything as good as possible and that can be stressful. So for me, it was more about trying to keep it on track at times. In a world where you're constantly flying by the seat of your pants, trying to keep things on track to the best of your abilities. And again, I'm still just a talent here, you know? And I have ideas and I weigh in a little bit, but there's so much that's beyond my control. So um, I'd say if there were any sort of, um, I don't want to call them anxieties, but stressors or whatever you want to call it, it was more about trying to see your vision through or see the vision through than it was about patience um, in waiting for something to happen. You know, I, I agree with Corey. I think letting it play out was almost a, a better, a better approach because I had trust in that if it played out accordingly, it would get us to the next step. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about it. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. 
Hey, Sammy, it's shocking to me that the last time yourself and Kevin Owens, two separate weeks, were on with us on After the Bell, was November. Like, time doesn't seem to exist, right, in WWE, especially with you guys now going back and forth between Fridays and, and, and Mondays. You've been doing that for, what, over a year now or close to a year at, at this point? Yeah, but I feel like I, I can't complain as much because the Usos did it for two years, you know? Correct. <laughs> So I'm like, I haven't earned the right yet. Although, no, it has been hard. It really has been just because of uh, home life. And, you know, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to leave a family uh, behind for four or five days a week. That's hard. And I guess I'm going sideways when I ask this question, but I have a sign behind me here that says, these are the good old days. And I love to think that way, right? I love to think that I'm going to look back in time and go, wow, those were with the young kids, with traveling for work. And when you think about where you are, the apex of your career, at least we think for now, right? The, the, whether it be the WrestleMania last year, how could you ever top that? Well, you absolutely did do that. And the story you've had has been remarkable. Is it possible for you, given the constant workflow of your life, that you can get a moment to think about the fact that you could be in the midst of the good old days right now, both professionally and personally? I think about it all the time. Every single day, actually. <laughs> I'm very aware. I'm, I'm hyper-aware, I would even say. In fact, I think I've had the same conversation with just about everyone in the locker room about how these are the good old days. It's a really great sign and it's a really great reminder. Uh, and I think it's very easy to lose sight of that when you're on the hamster wheel and you're um, also getting hung up on ultimately things that are inconsequential in the long, in the long term. Um, though they may seem important at the time, they're <laughs> ultimately inconsequential on a long enough timeline. In fact, I remember speaking to Carmela about this and she's actually told me that she's thought about this conversation a few times and I won't get into all of it, but basically the long and short of it is like one day, all these accomplishments that we tend to um, chase, right? Really, they're just kind of for us here and now and they're not worth driving yourself insane over because one day on a long enough timeline, it won't matter whether you pop the ratings with the bloodline or your main event at WrestleMania, like your whole life will be boiled down to like one sentence and it's granddad was a wrestler once and that's it. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter how much of this you did, how much of that you did, you know, your grandkids are going to know like one little thing about you or your great grandkids. If you're so lucky and has to, you know, be remembered for that long. Um, so, you know, I think in the present, you just got to appreciate what it is. Understand that you're here and now, and this is kind of your prime and to just enjoy it while it's here because it's fleeting and it goes away fast and it's tomorrow's not guaranteed. So I'm very, very, very well aware of, uh, of just how lucky I am and how amazing this time is. And I, I actually thought about it with the night of champions about this kind of little run I've been on. And it's so surreal because I feel like since maybe, I don't know, August or September, I feel like I've had 10 or 12 moments that were just like huge, like WrestleMania moments in the span of eight months. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the Royal mm, Rumble. The career's worth in less than Yeah, the, the Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania, and Night of Champions. Each one of those could have been one career-defining moment. And even if you throw Survivor Series in there with what we did at War Games, that's five things in the span of like six or seven months. Yeah. And if you, you'd be lucky to get one of those in your whole career, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So absolutely I, right. I, I'm very well aware of that. And I think about it all the time, almost to a point of borderline obsession, because I think it's, you know, I also realize I've been doing this 21 years 
and I'm not sure I have another 21 in me, <laughs> you know, so I'm very well aware that I'm probably closer to the end than the beginning. And so just to enjoy it while I'm in it. It reminds me so much of this clip I saw this week on, on social media, I believe it was on Instagram, uh, a guy called Ryan holiday, Kevin Patrick. And I talk about a lot. He's really big into the stoicism world. And he had a video explaining how there's different types of poverty and he doesn't mean poverty as in a lack of funds or, or, you know, poor financial situation. It's emotional poverty in that if you're constantly wanting more, you're never satiated by what you truly have and to try to focus on what you have. And and you may find that you don't need more. You've already got everything that you, you need from, from that perspective and you can live a very fulfilled life based on what you have and what you have accomplished to this point, rather than constantly needing more. But it's a human nature to get on that hamster wheel and say, well, I did this. I, 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 I may have been WrestleMania once. I want to do it again. I want to do it this way. It's, it's, you're fighting your own nature in a way. So I do think there's, I don't think it's human nature is where I disagree, but I agree with everything else you said. I don't think it's intrinsic human nature. Um, well, maybe to an extent, but not to the extent that w- w- where we're at. In my opinion, maybe it's a social construct less than nature. And I actually think it's economically based, right? Because uh, not to get into a whole thing about capitalism here, but basically uh, it's never enough. And it's always about maximum growth and whatever the expense may be almost doesn't matter because it's, it's driven by maximum and infinite growth. And there, that I think colors, yes, that colors the way our society looks at things about this, like never be happy, always strive for more. And I think I remember when I got to WWE, actually in NXT or something like that, where it was very much the mentality, you should be furious that you're here. You should want to get out of here. You should want to be on the road. Everyone around you is your enemy. They're all vying for your spot. And this is a competition and you have to be the best to get out of here. And if you don't want to be the best, you shouldn't even work here. So I remember a line, something to the extent of like, if you don't want to be the next John Cena, you shouldn't even be here. I remember hearing that and being completely like mouth agape. Like what is this insanity? <laughs> Let's just say we're in a room with a hundred people. Let's just say the next John Cena is in this room. There's only one. So the other hundred people, the other 99 people in this room should be miserable at all times, aspiring to be that person? What kind of insanity is that? It's really funny you use that analogy because I've been working with a lot of the NXT talent somewhat recently and in almost a, a diametric opposition to that mentality of you have to want to be John Cena. I've been using the analogy of as a talent, look at WWE as a Marvel universe. You've already got your John Cena, your Randy Orton, you've got your Avengers, right? The Roman Reigns is Thanos, but there have been how many multi-million dollar successful Ant-Man movies because they fit. They all fit in the same world and nobody grows up wanting to be Ant-Man, right? Everybody wants to be Thor. Everybody wants to be the Incredible Hulk, but there's a place for Ant-Man. Right. And obviously Ant-Man resonates with the fandom in of a very similar way that a, a somewhat obscure or I hate to hate to use the term B level, but a less than top tier superstar from a, you know, the way it's listed. I totally agree. However, even those things when done adequately or really, really well, I should say beyond adequate um, can create something that propels itself 
to an A level. And I'll use the honorary ooze as a very easy example here. Exactly. Because exactly. I, I think we're on the same yes. page. I may have just approached it from a dip. That's what, exactly what I mean. If you excel in your role, whatever that role may be, right. it is a valuable part and there is room for growth and expansion and to become your own franchise. Right. To a level that you wouldn't have expected because, um, you know, the, the honorary ooze character, um, there were a lot of things in it that most performers don't want to embody. You know, there was like a vulnerability. There was a little bit of like a little brother kind of uh, energy to it. And most people want to be like alpha, alphas, you know, like the man, Thor, whatever, that you know, Thanos and all that kind of stuff. And they want yeah. to be perceived as very manly and very like just the star. But I embodied a lot of qualities that were not really synergistic with that. You know, they're antithetical to that. But in fact, I performed it well and the people around me performed in reaction to it so well that it propelled everything to the top. And I main evented WrestleMania as a result of that, which is as high as you can pretty much go. Um, so yeah, I think it's about- Was that a tactical decision, Sammy? Was that a decision you made consciously? Was that a tactical decision or was it just your human nature and, and the way you carry yourself falling into that role? Uh, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Because it does go back to even, you know, when I first, first started, the other character that I played on the independence, there was a lot of like tongue in cheek. There was a lot of vulnerability. There was a lot of things that sometimes he was uh, perceived as almost like a joke, actually. And that is something that in my own life, it's so funny that I fall into this pattern because in my own life, there's always been, you know, and I'm revealing some stuff here, <laughs> a little therapy session, but there's always been this sort of balance of uh, like whether you want to be liked or respected. And sometimes those things seem like you can't do them together. Right. Or like when you are just trying to be you and just want to be, you don't want to put on this facade. I, I don't have the energy to put on a facade and be something I'm not. And then, but if you do, sometimes that, let's say kindness is mistaken for weakness or something. And you can be kind of like trampled on or whatever. So it's almost funny that that has bled into the characters I've played throughout my career where they border on a character that could almost be dismissed or written off as comedic or uh, not worth being taken seriously. You know, like when I lost to Johnny Knoxville, for example, I remember having a conversation with uh, Paul Heyman where he's like, you just lost to Johnny Knoxville. Like, I can, how, how could Brock possibly work with you or something? So there was always this thing, well, do I commit to this character and commit to whatever I'm doing fully so that it could be as good as it could be? Or do I try to like alpha myself and be try to present myself in a way where I could, you know, uh, be toe-to-toe -to -toe with Brock in a credible way? And ultimately, I've always just gone with the like, look, I, I'm just going to do me. And I'm going to do it as well as I can do it. And the results have kind of spoken for themselves throughout my career. So now in a weird way, because it's gone well, I feel like I could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Brock now. But because I took the route less traveled, which is an alternative, alternative route that in theory, most people would not want to take. We're almost like on the verge of being a laughing stock, but you do it with such depth that it actually becomes more endearing than anything you could do by pretending to be a tough guy. You know what I'm saying? It's really interesting to hear that perspective because you know the old adage that in this business, funny don't make money. And while Sami Zayn wasn't necessarily a comedy act within the bloodline, there were comedic elements to That's it. That's what I'm getting at. How did you, main, you maintain that authenticity? 
where, yes, Sam, you made you laugh. Yes, when you did your dance and the, the high fives and the handshakes were entertaining and comical, but you never lost that authenticity that you were Sami Zayn. Right. You, who you were on the screen is what connected with us. And actually, that's why people, I think, fell in love with the character. Because the character didn't act the way he should have acted. Because once you start getting in the mix with the bloodline, all of them were walking out tough as nails, serious champions. And then you got this guy who like, hey, he doesn't get it. That's not how you're supposed to act with these guys. You know, you're the only one person with like a tuft of puffy red hair. <laughs> so you stand out right away. They're all blood. And there's this one guy who's like, he's just feeling it. You know what I mean? And it's almost like, I know, because I've been this guy as well. If you've ever been out to like a bar or a disco or a club or whatever, and there's just someone who's really feeling the music and they're not trying to put on a show or trying to be cool. They're just so in it that you're like, man, that guy's having the time of his life. And you're kind of drawn to that. That guy's partying. And we've been to concerts together. So, you know, I've been that yep. guy, yep. <laughs> you know, and that same quality is actually what made the honorary Oost thing so successful because it was a guy who was, that's what made people fall in love with it is the fact that you could see this guy's authentically himself even at times when he shouldn't be, even at times when the world tells you, you got to change the way you act, you got to change who you are, you got to be something you're not, this guy wasn't doing it, you know? And in a lot of ways that, uh, God, I got goosebumps <laughs> talking myself up here <laughs> because, because, and the reason that hits me so hard is because it's such a mirror to who I am in real life and to uh, just recurring themes in my life. Where it's like, I've, I've felt many times where, well, if I want to be respected, I have to act a different way. And then I, tr I just can't, <laughs> I can't really do it. Uh, and then sometimes I feel very uh, like, I don't know, not, not taken advantage of, but I feel like I'm not taken seriously. But then I just do it long enough or well enough or I'm authentic enough for a long enough timeline where people kind of come around. And in this case, that's exactly what happened with the character. So it's a really strange... Uh, art imitating life, life imitating art scenario here. For as long as I've listened to After the Bell, that is the best answer. Ah. The single best answer <laughs> to any question. That was money right there. Yeah. <laughs> See, I probably shouldn't have raised the roof just then. It's like. He was, he was stuck in the moment. Yeah. yeah, this, no, trust me. I, I've known Sammy for many moons. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is as advertised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Sammy, was there any convincing involved when this, when this first came about? Was there any top brass at WWE? And I'm sure you can't reveal all the names, but that, that we're saying this isn't going to work. No chance. What are we doing here with the bloodline? Because the bloodline were in full flow before the honorary use came along. And it was just so far out of left field. Were there any doubts out there? Uh, yeah, there were. And you're right. I can't mention names. <laughs> uh, there were doubts as to whether it should even happen, I think, even in its early, the infancy sort of stage of it all. And then, so for me, uh, actually going back to a question you asked earlier um, about impatience, there was a point when I was actually very impatient with the storyline and I was almost ready to abandon shit. Um and just say, okay, we need to start moving on in a different direction if this isn't going to go where it needs to go. Because for me, the whole thing, the, the whole, it all hinged on me and Roman getting together finally and the swerve being like, oh, Roman likes this guy. And you expect him to not like him, but then he meets him and he likes him. That was the whole, like, that's the money of the whole thing is that he buys in. Roman drives the whole story and it works very well even if he's not there but because he's the main antagonist, he still needs his decision at the next point in the story is going to drive and propel the, the story in whatever direction it's going. 
You know what I mean? So you needed him involved. Looking at the landscape, your personal involvement aside, is what we've seen involving the bloodline the most well thought out, uh, complete story our business has seen? Well, I am biased. <laughs> Tangible. Of course, you're, I understand you, you yeah. would be, but I'm just saying you see a lot of a lot of it's relatively common now. You see on Twitter cinema. The bloodline and the honorary ooze storyline, not excluded, has all been uh, such a, a deep story with so many layers and different avenues, and it could have gone 12 different ways, and it continues to evolve. Right. It seems as though for now, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens hypothetically are finished with the bloodline currently, but the bloodline is still happening. It, it, maybe it's falling apart, but right. this storyline, this era is magic, no? I think so. Well, and like I said earlier, even if I were to say say something like that, sure, it could come off uh, arrogant or biased or whatever it is, but I have every metric available to us backing up that sentiment, which is, you know, num numbers ranging from so uh, social media engagements, viewership, live attendance, merchandise, uh, and just just in general, I, the, the amount I've been bombarded on the streets versus before the storyline, after the storyline, I, obviously I was in a more prominent position, but the amount of people who've even told me uh, you know, I kind of fell out of the love with the product for a while. I kind of stopped watching and this storyline is what brought me back in, which is one of the most rewarding things you could possibly hear from a fan. So I do think we stumbled on something kind of magical, kind of lightning in a bottle. And the fact that we were able to draw it out for over a year and that it's still kind of going on, I think it's next evolution. And I don't know, this is me speculating, but the only thing I could almost liken it to is my story with Kevin which is a 20 year story, in fact. And I mean, year one of me and Kevin, after we started taking our match all over the country and all over the independent circuit and all that kind of thing, we were like, oh man, people are gonna get fed up with this. Like when, when are they gonna get fed up with this? But we've had to work so hard to where, um, they, not only did they never get fed up of it, they always wanted to see what was next. And that was, you know, I used to think it was nothing. I used to think it was just this weird, magical chemistry that we had. And there's something about us that keeps people engaged. But in fact, it took a lot of hard work when I stopped to think about it, um, which almost bordered on neuroses to people watching from the sidelines because they'd see us work and they'd see us bicker over trying to make these things as good as possible, whatever it is, a match, a storyline. And I can't tell you how many times, again, dating back 15 years, where people would look at us and they go, don't you guys have this figured out by now? And it took me about 10 or 15 years to realize like, no, 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 no. That's why it keeps working because we don't have it figured out. We never just assume it's figured out. We always have to kind of reinvent and top it and make it fresh. And how do we do that? And putting that level of energy into it is what kept it that way. Because if we just said like, oh, you want to do what we did in Pittsburgh? Cool. You know that? Well, they already saw in Pittsburgh. And then you're tired of it by the time you've seen it three times. It was constantly about keeping it innovative and keeping it fresh. And in many ways, uh, so we got 20 years out of that and counting. But so in some ways, I think the evolution of the story, and I don't know, this is me speculating here. While I do think the Sammy and Kevin side has kind of put a bow on it, we got the revenge on Roman and all that kind of thing. And now we've finally seen the bloodline crumble or at least appear to, to have splintered altogether now. I do think it could be one of those things that's so magical, like Kevin and Sammy, the key to it would be going apart and coming back together 
and going apart and coming back together to where it could actually be, if you do it successfully, it could be woven in in a way for another three, four years, but you do it in a way that's very careful and very conscientious where, whereby you're not burning fans out on it, where they're actually excited to see the next stage of it. I think you'll agree with me when I say it, as absurd as it may sound initially, Kane and Undertaker. Yeah, there you go. One of the greatest stories over decade, uh, two decades, the Brothers of Destruction. They went. They found each other when they needed one another. They were at each other's throats. They tried to destroy each other, but they were inextricably tied, and they were going to do this dance forever. Obviously, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, markedly different characters on screen. Yes. But the theory behind it, it, it rings very familiar. Now, however, the interesting thing about that is you couple that kind of relationship between two people, or in the case of the bloodline, now you're talking about you know five or maybe even seven, eight people when you include all the players. But what I'm saying is the thing that made this different with Kane and Austin, or I'm sorry, Kane and Undertaker, is like imagine a Kane and Undertaker level depth of relationship with the lefts and rights and the longevity coupled with a story as compelling on a weekly basis as perhaps Austin McMahon or whatever. And in fact, in some ways, you know, they're kind of apples and oranges, but we just did it in a very different way. And I don't want to say like cinematic, but we did have that mindset. Everybody involved had a cinematic approach to it versus a wrestling approach to it. You know what I mean? We tried to get out of the box and we're thinking more in terms of, uh, you know, breaking bad and these sort of like the wire and these complex sort of characters interacting uh, versus, you know, trying to mirror what the NWO did or what Austin and McMahon did. So I think that's what gave it. um, And the amount of, man, there's just so much to it. We, we could do a whole. We could. We could. I'm sitting here thinking, my God, we're running low on time, and I'm just now diving in. We could do a whole storyline, really. This is this is what I live for. We've been getting to do a lot of this on ATB lately. Is is I, I'd say to KP, it's wrestling theory. Yes, exactly, exactly. The, the reasoning behind it, not so much the moves and the X's and O's, but the the emotion and why things are and, and why this truly is an art form. It's been considered less than by so many aspects of society and culture and it's lowbrow and it's this sports entertainment has evolved into an art form that I hold in the same regard as many hold cinema or sport or whatever that may be. I dare say when it's done at its absolute best, absolute best, nothing touches it, including great cinema, great television, great theater, a great musical performance, because it's all of those things rolled into one. Getting goosebumps again. <laughs> I, sent, I, I sent you and I both, and I'll, I'll, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. I, I sent a text message to uh, a, a superior of mine. We'll just put it that way. I'm sure we can all figure it out. After WrestleMania Sunday, and it said almost verbatim what just came out of your mouth, that this this job is a grind, this world is exhausting, but when we do what we do, at the level that we did over WrestleMania weekend, there is no feeling like it. There is no drug on the planet Earth. There is no feeling like WWE done perfect. Yes, yes. And don't get me wrong, when it's done really bad, it's as bad as anything else, you know? Oh, but yeah. when it's done, so, sometimes sure. the only thing I like better than good wrestling is bad wrestling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true too. But that's just because we've been in it so long. We're entertained by either terrible, terrible, terrible performances or performances that are so good that they kind of blow your mind, you know? Um, <laughs> right, right. I'm sure in time, though, if, if there are similar-ish stories told, that we will look back at the Bloodline story 
as in many ways a revolutionary story that was told in the way it was told, the artistic way that you alluded to, Corey, as well. And that, that may have changed the game in, in terms of how these things are shot and how the stories are told. So my, my opinion halfway through the storyline and seeing the success of it was that, oh, I see what we've done here. We've accidentally stumbled into the future of storytelling and wrestling, I think. I think, I think we've laid out a template. However, I also think, and I hope I'm not coming off arrogant, I don't think anyone will quite match it only because of the variables involved, which are what I touched upon earlier, the, the real life relationship of 20 years of friendship with myself and Kevin, the real life uh, family dynamic of the bloodline, the real life relationship of Paul Heyman and the Samoan you know, dynasty. Um, all those elements can be recreated. You can have different versions of it, hopefully, but I think people will aspire to do these sort of long drawn out, artistic, very emotional with clearly defined characters. And I think that's the future. I think because of the success, if nothing else, that's what people will aspire to achieve. I don't think anyone will in quite the same way, but you know, here's hoping that someone does something even better one day. But uh, that's what I think. I think this is hopefully the template for what really quality storytelling could be down the road in the, in this industry. I think the business is healthy. I think it's an exciting idea to look forward to, to look down the road, to see what's coming next, not only for Sami Zayn, but for the entire sports entertainment industry. This turned out to be fun. We settle in and have ourselves a freaking beautiful chat about this business that we need to remind ourselves and one another from time to time, just why we love this. You know, it's almost a therapeutic kind of thing because uh, it's so easy. As you said earlier, it's so easy to lose sight when you're busy, when you're run down, when whatever, but when people who love the industry talk about what truly makes the industry beautiful to them, like, I don't know about you, but I just feel so invigorated right now. I'm kind of like, man, is it, is it Monday yet? Is it Friday yet? <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's get back out there. We gotta, we gotta send KO a text, let him know what yeah, he missed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was a wild one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sammy, good luck to you, man. We can't wait to see what comes next. Uh, thank you for hanging out. And as always, man, you're always welcome here on ATB. Talk soon, fellas. Thanks for having me. Man, KP, that was incredible. I could have done that for another two hours. Yeah, I just love that guy. I love everything about him. I love, I love how passionate he is about his craft, but I also love what a great family guy he is and, and how much appreciation and love he has for every single person backstage at WWE. Sami Zayn is truly a special fella. He absolutely is. I can't wait to get the other half of the tag champs on the show. KO coming soon. I I can say that publicly. I can make a declaration. We'll make it happen one of these days. But until then, make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free wherever you get your podcast. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode and of course full episodes of atb are available on the official wwe youtube channel each and every monday we'll be back next week with more wisdom more vitriol more wwe after the bell this episode is brought to you by hotels.com When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8am. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. 
and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 